This is All Things Therapy, where we are changing consciousness one conversation at a time. And I'm Lisa Tahir, your host. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I am Lisa Tahir, your host. I am delighted that you are tuning in either listening on a platform or watching live via video. I have a wonderful guest today, Chef Andre Rush. He was an executive White House chef, the executive White House chef during four presidencies, as well as serving in the U.S. Army for 23 years. Don't go anywhere. He will be with us in moments. I just want to direct you if you are looking for a mental health professional to work with. I am passionate about helping you find your happiness. And usually that involves going through some deep emotions that you might not have looked at in a while, which is okay. Uh, it's helpful to have a guide. So I am available. You can learn more about my practice at my website, which is NOLA Therapy, N-O-L-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com. It stands for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy, reflecting the two places I live. I'm a native New Orleanian where I am today, a Southerner. I've loved being home in the South for the last seven months and preparing to go back to Los Angeles at the end of August. So just really soaking in Southern hospitality, which we are known for. Chef Andre knows about that as, as Chef is a Southerner as well. And let me introduce you to this man. Executive White House Chef Andre Rush served during the presidencies of Clinton, Bush, Obama, and Trump, a retired Master Sergeant, Chef Rush served, as I mentioned, in the U.S. Army for 23 years, including doing three tours of Afghanistan, Korea, and Iraq. And Chef does 2,222 push-ups per day, multiple times during the week to raise awareness for veterans who have taken their lives by suicide. And this problem of suicide is huge in our country. Chef Rush talks about it's the 10th leading cause of death in our country, and veterans take their own lives at the rate of about 22 lives per day. And Chef Rush wants to promote mental health awareness through his work, his lectures, his speaking tours that he does, as well as this new book that we are discussing today, Call Me Chef, Damn It, A Veteran's Journey from the rural south to the White House. And with that, Chef, I'm gonna bring you in the stream. Welcome. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. It is, it's an honor for me. How are you today? I am wonderful, I'm wonderful, always wonderful. <laughs> you know, I am as well. And I love, I just wanna share with our audience how moments before coming live, you're back from receiving two awards. One, the key to your own city, Columbus, Mississippi, and a second award in Vegas. Can you share with us about that? Because I'm just, wow. Uh, well, I, I received the key to, um, actually what I did was I went to Mississippi to actually just sign books and donate all the proceeds to kids and to um, uh, Connects Helpline, which is the, what is it, the eight, 899 number now. Uh, okay. Worldwide, United Way, some of the guys. So I paired with them to put all of give all the proceeds 
to those two organizations. And uh, the mayor came up and just thanked me for everything I've done, you know, in representing Mississippi, the country, people in general, black, white, no matter what. And yeah. Presented me with the key to the city. And then um, this weekend I received, I'm sorry, not this weekend, two days ago, I received um, the HAHC uh, award um, induction from the culinary, uh, which is the ACF conference that's going on right now in Las Vegas. So it was another big honor that I'm really uh, supportive and proud of. Congratulations, chef. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, what's coming to mind is you were just talking about Columbus. I know reading your beautiful memoir, your mom represented and really taught you about love, about giving, and your father taught you a work ethic that you've had from a boy, a strong work work ethic, and you've had to overcome things in your own life, like poverty, racism, prejudice, even when you entered the military and started to really stand out in positive ways. I'm curious what you would offer young people that might be in this place uh, so, experiencing. Yeah. You know, so I'll, I'll be very uh, transparent with you. Um, even when I was talking about receiving the key from the city, I was in the American Legion. It was a packed building and the majority of it was white. So mm -hmm. if you notice in my book, I talk about racism and things and how I battled it. Well, not battle it, how we deal with how we deal was with love and coping, understanding, of course, being transparent with all those things. But <clears throat> everybody's different, you know, and everybody tries to change the narrative. My mother taught me how to love. Dad taught me how to work as hard as anyone else. And as I was growing up as a young kid, it was hard for me. Right. Mm -hmm. I was a southerner and I'm going into this world of. The military were all these different colors and religions and things I had knew nothing about, but I just knew me as myself, right? Yes. And I talk about the battles and the struggles I had. Of course, we are all human and we have emotions. We have mm -hmm. anger and all those things we internalize. But we also, while we internalize and we try to change it around to just suit us and fit us instead of looking at everything as it is, right? You know, one person is one person is not every person. You right. Know? And you never know what you can do to change a person's life, whether it be about a simple smile or a simple hello. And I learned that very early on as I was going through the military, uh, how I treated people, my leadership tax, which I didn't know were leadership tracks. It was just my nature of just how I was raised. Yes. And, and that became leadership. But to me, that was human nature to me. That's how I mm -hmm. dealt with it. And so when I dealt with my own struggles, <clears throat> the one thing I found out is that I couldn't do this alone, mm -hmm. right? I'm a big guy. I did all these things and all these accolades and I work with people and I, you know, do a lot of push-ups and I did all these things or whatever, but I still, I could not do it alone. And wow. it caught up with me. And when it did catch up with me, I, and then I finally understood that I did need some support. And mm -hmm. I got that in so many different ways and forms. And it was actually overwhelming how much support I got. When I came out and I said I had PTSD, yeah, I had issues, and I said, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay not to get the support that you need, right? And Absolutely. all different forms of fashion, I, and I stress it to parents, friends, families, you know, strangers or whoever, you never know what a person is going through. Absolutely. Big their smile, no matter what they're doing, how they're living, no matter how much their money and car, whatever, you just don't know. So you treat everybody the same. And that's that's the number one rule is treating everybody the same. With a lot of kindness and respect. 
And I think your authenticity as well. You were consistently authentic throughout your journey. And even in some tough situations where you did actually have to set limits with people and authority. You know, no, no. And, and that's one of the things also, because you you can't in this in this world, people were going like I was a big guy. Right. Yeah. So in the military, sometimes you get people in positions where you're a bigger guy, but they want to still let you know they're in charge because okay. they need to feel empowered. That was their thing where they want to be empowered, let you know you work for me and you're I use the word nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to be. If there's no pushback, if there's anything, everybody's human. I, I, my job is to make everybody I work for, whether it be to the top or the bottom, no matter what, to look good, right? Yeah. It was about us. It wasn't about me. It's yeah. us. We're a family. We're a team. We're together. We're doing this, right? That's what it's about. And so when I had to set limits, I also have to remember, I know my worth and value. Yes. I'm fucking billboard. I know my value and no one is going to diminish my value because of their personal agendas, whether I, where I look, what my rank is, what kind of car I drive or what shoes I wear. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to do that to me. No one. So you do have to set those limits in a way where it's respectable, but in a way where it's not perceived as though you're just being aggressive or you're right. trying to do something. You need to do something where it can stop the next person from getting hurt because the next person may not be as big as you may not be as steadfast as you and may not have the passion as you have. They may be, I use the word, a weaker person, which nothing's wrong with that because they may be their nature. So we have to take up for each other. You know, chef, what, hearing you speak about your value and worth and keeping that in the forefront of your mind throughout your journey. I remember the portion of your book in your memoir. It really was powerful with, uh, I think it might have been your first high-end DC client that you were doing private chef chefing for, and you weren't sure how to charge for it. And exactly. she wrote you a check and said, always know your worth. Exactly. Right. And like you were blown away by the amount of money. And how did that shape your. That changed my entire world. Yeah. I, when I say it changed. And, and it's funny because I'm still in touch with that client to this very wow. day. And she says how proud she is of me. Yeah. They do rather her and her husband <clears throat> and her kids. But when she said that to me, I had worked so hard for so many people for so little, for so long, mm -hmm. like literally just unimaginably hours and hours and hours out of the day where I was just trying to make enough money to for myself or for my family and for just everything that I was doing. And I had no idea of that value because in some situations, people are going to put limitations on you. Mm -hmm. You only do this much, even though you're capable of this much, right? right? So when I did this job, the caveat to that was I asked for help and nobody would help me. Nobody would help me. Nobody wanted to believe in me. Nobody wanted to support me. And I did the whole entire job by myself. I remember that, that you asked who wants to create a catering yep. company and yep. no one, it was like crickets. And nope, you nope. said, I'm going to do this. Yep. No one wanted to help me because I was a young guy with a dream and they were the old school guys who were already, you're not going to do anything. Right. And uh, I worked my butt off. I'm not going to lie to you on that part. Yeah, I and, know you do. <laughs> I know. But uh, when she, when she gave me that check and I saw it, it was like a light bulb clicked in my head and it was like, I've been doing it wrong the whole entire time. I, I knew this. And why was everybody trying to, discredit what I knew already. And mm -hmm. so it was just um, a confirmation, a reconfirmation of, of, of who, I, who I actually am. 
It absolutely was a confirmation. And often when you feel alone, like to tie in post-traumatic stress disorder and depression and anxiety, that you feel so alone in those emotional states. And it just takes one person, one experience to remind you that you're not alone. And can you speak to PTSD, how cooking has helped you, how fitness has helped you for someone out there who might be feeling these ways? So like you, <laughs> yeah. I'm a fitness person. Yeah. Uh, that's been part of my therapy also, along with cooking. But I, I actually combine both of those therapies together. In the military, I started a thing called Cooking to Cope, is mm -hmm. where I use a lot of guys and females with you know PTSD or uh, social anxieties, uh, depressions, yada, yada. And I went and got the mystery baskets, which means just getting a bunch of stuff from the grocery store with okay. no rhyme. And I made them cook food. I made them cook food with no recipes, and it was things that didn't marry together, yeah. right? And so when they started doing this, it was like confusion. It was anger. And at the end of the results was, what are you cooking? What are you doing? They looked at each other. They laughed. And at the end of the results, we tasted each other food. Some of them taste like crap. Some of them taste <laughs> like yeah. taste wonderful. <clears throat> and everybody laughed afterwards. And from oh. that, it, from that was a growth of a floor, of a, of a of a forest where these men and women brought in their their which in result brought in their families, their spouses, their kids, and we started cooking together. Started cooking together, laughing together, and then I taught them the value of what you're eating. What's cooking and food like today? Unfortunately, sometimes we lose that focus. What food was really meant for is mm -hmm. nutrition, is motivation, is energy, is medicine, is wisdom, yeah. is yeah. loving, is caring, is family, is all these different things that cooking <laughs> is we forget Absolutely. about. It's not just something put in your mouth, but because every demographically from Mississippi to New York to New Jersey to Italy to all there, they mean something totally different. Yeah, we eat totally different. You know, it's a homage that you have, but also you got to think about what goes in your body. You know what it was actually. We didn't have the medicine today that we have back back in the day. You know, you think about all those years ago. They didn't have the pills that we have. They I had know. plants. They had plants that they used. You know, yeah. those were things how to build your body. You know, then you have demographics whether you be African American, Asian, European, white, this, that, and so forth that you're prone to because of that, from diabetes to high blood pressure to stress, all those things. Which stress is the number one killer still in this world? Yeah. You know, yeah. people don't think of it as stress. They just think, oh, he died from a heart attack. Oh, but he worked 100 hours a week. You know, you got to think about some things like that. And so I went back to those bases of how to utilize food as nutrition. And then let's go ahead and form that nutrition and make it see on the outside from these, well, these. Yes, your guns. <laughs> exactly. You know, I love that you brought up cooking to cope because I wanted to talk to you about your nonprofit. Is it, do you say it 2222 Inc. or 2222 Inc.? 2222 Inc. Will you talk to us about your nonprofit? Because I know cooking to cope is an aspect of it. It is, it is. And the truth of the matter is I help a lot, a lot of other nonprofits. I'm not one of those guys where it's all about mine. And I realized when I was doing this with a lot of nonprofits before I had mine that everybody was, I use the word fighting over me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I found I was doing stuff and they was like, hey, we're a family. It's, it's about the right nonprofits for the right perspective. And everybody does. And I'm also, I'm, I'm a rooter for the underdog. I'm not yeah. going to lie. So you got these multi, and now that I know all about the insides of how everything goes, um, 
I, I, I started mine, you know, I started off with the Arnold Schwarzenegger with his after school all star kids, which I love kids. You know, my, yeah. my platform is based off of probably about 80% the younger generation, which I love. I love and that. now I, uh, when I started, um, uh, uh, 2222, I thought about my childhood and diversity, mm -hmm. a lot of things that I didn't have access to. Right. You know, people say, well, you have the same resources I have. That may be true, but some people or kids and even the families are not knowledgeable of it. They have no idea how and when, and they don't understand it. And sometimes the parents, the kids, the the family members or whatever, they don't understand what they can do and what they're doing for their kids because they just be busy working. Right. So my right. goes towards those kids that's underprivileged who may have uh, a little bit harder times diversifying in the community. But I also bridge that gap with other kids, like military kids who yeah. live a different world. They're not the same. Military raised kids are raised different than regular kids. People say yes. they're the same, they're not the same. Trust me, they can have three hots in a cot and other kids can just have a hot. Yeah. <laughs> a cot, you know? So and it's often a lot of moving around and it's hard to establish. So, but they're, they're, they're the same in different perspectives, which is still trauma and still can be traumatic, but you want both of them to know that their family and their growth and they can understand and learn from each other. Whether yes. they're living in the military base or they're living in Fifth Ward, I've talked to both. I go to both. Yeah. I understand that empowerment is empowerment. We can't make this country off a of division. We have to combine, whether it be upper class and lower class and so forth. And each one, or upper class or lower class, is a part of that mental wellness, that mental health, that PTSD. Because right now, you said about the ten percent of you know uh, of deaths, but it's actually two percent between the ages of what is it, uh, fifth, fourteen. 13 actually in 20 and 29 oh, is that so that that's exactly that's crazy think about that yeah you know think about that perspective of that age range you yes. know number two number two wow. you know number 10 that is crazy it is. You know, this word it's a pandemic in itself it you know is. and it's more so and trust me i love social media social media is a wonderful thing in the world but so many people now use it for such evil things just so they can be famous, just so they can right. do that. And it causes a rift in so many different things from these crazy shootings because somebody else did it. And now another person sees it and they keep trying to follow suit. I want to be famous. I want to do this. And everybody's scared now. You don't know right. what's going on. And it can cause people to compare themselves and end exactly. up feeling short, feeling less than versus in your book. It, it's so clear in your life. You just had uh, you believed in something better for yourself, even when it didn't appear, even when you couldn't see it. You just believed it's like something in you drove you to just give your best no matter what. And it brought you to these amazing places. What kept you going, Chef Ross? <laughs> and I'll be honest with you. You said what I couldn't. I never saw it. Yeah. I, I never saw it. I never saw it. I'm not going to lie to you. I never said, you know, I could talk to it or I could talk to you and say, I'm going to be this. I can be that all day. Did I see it in front of my face? No, I had obstacles. And here's the deal. That's life. I got over it. Whether I failed a thousand times and succeeded 10, those successes kept me going all the time. And those failures made me stronger. They made me to who I am today. As I'm going to say, every time I'm still the hardest worker in the room, I'm mm -hmm. always that person because that's how I'm steadfast. That's my nature. That's who I am. Yeah. I never come complacent. I never stop caring. I never, I always remember who I am. And I always tell, and I say this a million times, every day is the first day. Mm -hmm. Don't be 
facing. Every day you start over. The top of one mountain is the bottom of the next. And I, I remember that to myself. And then on a realistic part of it, I'm going to be honest with you. Yes. In my mind, every time I do something, I always think when I was a kid and when I was in the military, things that happened in my mind, I always think someone wants me to fail. Mm. Wants me to fail. It's a driving force for me. Not this is a negative thing, but I say it just makes me remember to keep myself on my toes because yeah. a lot of people think they're untouchable. A lot of people become complacent. A lot of people forget where it came from and where it comes from. A lot of people forget that someone raised them, someone built them. Even if you did it by yourself, there was someone, something, some person, some smile, somehow, yes. somebody influenced you. Absolutely, Chef Rush. You know, you're also an advocate, as you were talking about, for the military, specifically wounded warriors. And I was really interested in that because myself, I created a nonprofit in 2010 called the Yes Foundation because I believe in possibilities. And my work that I want to leave and give back has to do with people who are in wheelchairs. And for mm -hmm. me, glass art, as well as fitness, has really helped me to heal from earlier drug addiction in my life to have something that I enjoyed so much that like I cared about that more than anything else. And so I invented a bench and I got a received a U.S. patent for people in their wheelchairs to learn to blow glass as an art form. And I would love to work with wounded warriors if there's a way later. All I need is like an email and I will take it. I really want to see veterans learning how to use glass as a way to just find happiness, express their creativity. I built a bench, it's here in New Orleans. Like I've paid for all of this because it's been like what I wanna leave and impact the world with. Do you, just wanted to put that out there and ask no, for no, any no, I, no, I, I absolutely love that. I actually went to, well, I was, uh, I'm thinking what country was. I went to a, I actually blew glass myself in a blast going awesome. somewhere in, in Germany somewhere. And it's yeah. absolutely amazing, it's incredible. You know, it's, it's so therapeutic. It is. And, and also uh, in, New, in New Orleans, uh, we opened up a, a Fisher House there. So I'm a big supporter of the Fisher House. Okay. Which is really amazing, huge. And uh, and I know a lot of other different organizations that's there in uh, New Orleans, speaking of the devil. So I can- um, Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you to that. Most definitely. Thank you. Because I'm boots on the ground like you. Just give me a few leads and it makes me excited to see how things can- can be created and in your life too, in your memoir, just talking about the way you just were so consistent with excellence. That's what stood out to me. Every job you did, walking to Kmart for miles, like you just put excellence at the top of what you did. And how has that served you? How would you like younger people to know the value of excellence? You know, I, I, I'll say it to you again. Now I look back, you know, back then, you know, when I had to work, when all my kids were playing, you know, playing and I'm doing things that I didn't get the normal kids to do. I didn't have the same shoes they had or the clothes they had. Mm -hmm. You know, did I did I feel embarrassed sometimes? Sometimes I felt awkward, right? I don't know if I ever felt embarrassed. That means I was embarrassed of my family or my mom or my dad and because we didn't have as much or we chose not to do as much on things where we put value in other places. And even walking to Kmart, it was hard. I'm not gonna lie to you, it was a yeah. night and people oh. used to ask me if I want to ride. And, you know, I was about like, no, I'm okay. You know, in a way it was like, I wanted to, I needed myself to toughen up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like exhausting, you know, exhausting. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I was just like, no, I, I need to walk. I need to walk. This is going to be something. And I don't know why, but 
reflecting back now, I know why. It was what I had to do. You know, I didn't get home and I didn't complain and I didn't say, you know, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just mm-hmm. went, I took a shower and I did my homework if I needed something done. And I just got up again and did, did it again. It. You know, I was blessed and I was fortunate and I understood it. And, you know, that's what kind of, that's not kind of, that's what molded me into my work habits in the military, in life, in general, in anything that I did. You know, you said being consistent. You have to be consistent. You have to be on it. You can't stop. You can't every day is the first day. People talk about me not sleeping or not doing this. I, when you're sleeping, I trust me, I love to sleep if I can, but I yeah. have so different things upon that, you know, that I get it when I can and I do yeah. it when I can, meaning that, you know, if I don't get to get six, seven, eight hours and only get four or five hours, I'm going to maximize and make the best out of it. I'm on right. always living the East Coast. I live in D.C. I live here in yeah. L.A. I'm traveling to Brazil tomorrow. I travel this place, travel to Japan, travel to Dubai. And I just do so many wonderful things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. Military, talking to all these people that you make a difference for. And that's what's most important. It is. It's so important. And I'm reflecting as you're talking, your memoir came out, I believe, in April, a few months ago. Is that accurate? Yes, ma'am. Yep. And we're in July. What what are you most excited about? Your memoir being out and kind of on your horizon with the travel you've mentioned and like where are you at out of the White House now as chef? Uh, So I have a few TV shows coming out. Um, I'm, I'm going to film one in two weeks and I just film one that's coming out in November and then I have another coming out next year or two coming out next year. Uh, and, um, you know, I never thought about it. The memoir, I'm doing a cookbook right now. I'll have that awesome. coming out in spring of next year as well. And, um, you know, I, I never think about, you know, they were like, what's the end result? What do you think? It's like, if you're doing what you love and love what you're doing, you know, you just never go wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell people, you know, think about your job. You know, is that your job, what you want to do? If you complain about it, you need to rethink something. If something's yeah. toxic in it, if something's happened, because that's going to not reflect on you, but it's going to reflect on your family, friends, and so forth and so on. So you got to make sure that you're doing something you love. And then, you know, I know it's like a monetary value and this value and so forth. You got to weigh that out because you yeah. control that factor on that part of it. For me, uh, I just, I want to do as, help as many people. People are my therapy. That's what yeah. I do. People, I, I vicariously live through people and their energy and I suck it up. That's what keeps me going. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I'm not like a celebrity where they're celebrity because they're an entertainer or a rock star or a musician right. or where people are just fans. I have people that come up to me that really just say, thank you. We appreciate what you do, how you do it and why you exactly. do it. Those are, yeah. that's what's most important to me. That's what's most important to me because it reaches so many demographics, whether it be the younger or the older or ones that are more complacent or the ones that say, wow, you made me rethink about some life lessons. And it's about relationships, I hear exactly. you say, Chef. Exactly. Everything's about relationships. It really is strong, positive relationships. You know, I'm wondering as well, being where you are, being who you are today and your awareness and your consciousness and the knowledge you have, looking back to when you were in the military, I'm often curious, like what is needed for other enlisted individuals to have access to mental health treatment or permission to go? I imagine it's just like you have to just be tough and keep going. What what do you think would be helpful? What where do we need to evolve? 
Well, in the military, there's still some uh, obstacles to overcome. Uh, what I'm proud about the military is now is much more open than it used to be along with mental health and awareness because of this day and age, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just at the recruiting command in the, um, I was just in um, Kentucky talking to him about recruiting for the military and trying to get our young men and women to join the military, which is right now it's the lowest been since Vietnam, okay. which is really absurd, especially with the amount of money they're giving. Yeah. Also, uh, restrictions that they're kind of being more lenient towards, right? Okay. And um, we need to understand that and 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 get that so they can know that th this is a this is a this is a starting point, right? Mm -hmm. You. Build a, you want to build a legacy for yourself. You want to build something for yourself. I mean, the military right now is only has, you know, you can only do two years. You can do two years minimum. Now, that's a part to start you. That's something to start you to go to where you're going and how you're going to do to help yourself and everybody else. So it's, it's, it's all about, like you said, about those relationships and getting mm -hmm. people to be better people to help everyone else besides yes. themselves. Yes. You know, I sense too, as you go through your day that when you ask someone how they are, you know, you actually care and you want to know. And something I've been asking of myself is when I'm in the grocery, when I'm just doing those mundane, so to speak, errands, that when I ask someone, how are you? Like, I really try to use their name, really listen, you know, take a moment, not be on my phone. And I've noticed, interestingly enough, it makes me happier to to just be present. And I sense you go through your day like that. Is that true? You know, it's funny because uh, when I was at the, um, getting Keith City in Mississippi, but more the week prior to that, I was in uh, the conference of ALA, um, American Library Association uh, in Washington, D.C., in a conference center. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was HarperCollins and I spoke and I was signing my book, right? And a line was wrapped around. And I started personalizing every book. I said, what's your name? What do you do? You know, how, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yes. as they're talking, I'm writing as they're talking. The people are like, chef, this is going to take a long, you got a line all around. And I was like, no, I am not just going to sign my name. Everybody just signed their yeah. name. I said, no, I'm not just going to sign my name. And you do you not know every last person appreciated this so much more. They're like, I, I made not not a generic signing like, hey, thank you, thank you. It was like your name, who you are, think blah 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 blah, and so forth at the same That's time. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you just yes, you you never know because everything is like on a personal note. It's not just right. you spent a few dollars to buy a book and now I'm just saying, hey, Chef Rush. You know, it's no, yeah. no. I wanted to know that I really appreciate you. And, and I thank bet you for they're telling that. Yes, Chef. I bet they're telling that story to their loved ones. You know, and mm. how that's a legacy that it might inspire them to take a moment with someone they wouldn't have. No, no, exactly. I and mean, people give me all the time and say, Chef, can I send you my book to sign and send it back to me? And I'm just like, yeah, send it to my P.O. box. And I actually get it and I'll sign it personally. And I send it back. I don't charge anything. I just, here you go, that's sign wonderful. it. <laughs> you know, Chef, I'm always curious about the personal habits of successful people. And I'm curious, your personal habits, be it a daily routine, things that are like core to your, you know, your mindset each day, your physical, emotional, spiritual health. Can you share with us what some of those are? Uh, meditation, um, mm -hmm. rough top. Uh, my meditation is when I wake up at three o'clock in the morning or so, uh, I meditate right away. And um, I, I try to go do a lot of meditation therapy, uh, therapy and sessions 
uh, and it wasn't working. I was resistant. I was very resistant when I started off, right? I'm like, ah, oh, it doesn't work for me. People can be very closed minded. And I was one of those people. And then when I finally got to it and started doing it, uh, I started meditating. You know, I said, try to think about good things and good thoughts. Uh, but the truth of the matter was the bad ones overwhelmed me. Mm. So I had to be concentrated on the bad thoughts. I meditated and I embraced the bad things, you know, and I embraced them and I embraced them. Yeah. And what I needed. And the reason why is because here's the deal is every day that you go in life, uh, the negative is going to outweigh the positive. Mm. I, I say it that way. You're going to have much more negative in this world than going to have positive. Just it because stands out more. It's, ends out and is so prominent in everything you do. You can go out and get in your car and somebody will get in front of you and blow and honk your horn and give you the finger and then it just messes up your whole entire day. Why mm -hmm. should it? Why do you let that mess up your whole entire day? Right. Something so minute because you wanted your day to be so positive, but this one person that you don't know that you may never see again, don't care anything about, just interrupted your whole entire day that you have to think about them and talk about them and say, guess what happened to me? But you didn't think about that positive thing that happened where this, this old lady said, hey, you look so beautiful or you're handsome mm -hmm. or however, but that person that you know uh, intersects you just, just messed it up. So I tell people that I, I have to concentrate on negative and I have to feed off of that. You know, so when I do get the negative, I'm okay with it. But when I get the positive, I refocus it and, and redistribute it out to everybody else's energy. So that's one of my core things also with the push-ups. And then mm -hmm. also when I do try to get my workout in, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm extremely busy. I just yeah. got back in tonight. I've been on uh, four meetings today. Uh, and then I did my push-ups, but I ran to the gym and I got about 20 minutes to work out. And I came here. I got on here. As soon as I'm done with you, I'll go start filming. I'll film for, what, about four or five hours. And then I have to pack. And then I have to get up in the early morning, 2 o'clock in the morning or so, 3 o'clock. And then I have to go to the airport to get on a plane for 30 hours. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. But you fit in that meditation time. Meditation I've Meditation is it's so important for me, you know, and people say, no, it doesn't work for me. You know, here's the deal. It didn't work for me per se. I had to make what works for me works for me. Yeah. You know, you're your own person. It's kind of like your diet or kind of like your workout. You know, people say, oh, this workout worked for me. Every workout is not the same for everyone. Every diet is not the same for everyone. And, you yeah. know, every diet is a derivative of an old diet that actually happened from way back when. They just changed the name and did a couple no sprinkles on it to make it their own, you know? So it's like, yeah. you have to make those things fit whatever you're comfortable for, because a lot of people want to know that I did this. I made this change. You know, the comparison saying, oh, somebody else did this or somebody helped me make this change. It doesn't matter how you want to display it as long as it works for you. Chef, I like you talking about taking meditation and making it your own, personalizing it so that you show up for yourself. Because for me, meditation really is about a sacred time for yourself to tune in, to ask even how am I, what do I need and ask for help and guidance and to quiet one's mind and just show up every morning, which for me as well, every morning it's changed me and miracles have happened in my life. Like the Dalai Lama endorsing my book on self-forgiveness mm -hmm. that I realized I had to change and treat people differently at the grocery store mm -hmm. and be off of my phone and be more compassionate. And meditation has led me to parts of myself I never knew 
you know, I had to develop. So I as well really cherish that time each day. No, I love that. And you know, I'll, I'll caveat with that. When I say about me talking negative or thinking negative when I do my meditation, I don't want people to think that it's a negative thing. It's like you, you said earlier, it's like it's the time for myself. Some of the negative things we um, we we lock, you know, we keep we keep hidden. You know, like when I opened up my book, you know, it was a lot of things that I didn't know until I started doing my book. And to me, I answered a lot of questions in this meditation state, things that I did not know answers to. Yes. Things yes. That I just kind of just stopped and paused it. When I do this, I answer a lot of questions, a lot of life lessons, a lot of a lot of anger or things that I had, you know, inside of me are released, you know, and that's a relieving feeling, you know, kind of like when you cry and you exhale. It's not about it's yeah. not you cry when you're angry, when you're happy, when you're remorseful, when you're just anything, you know, it doesn't have to be associated with sadness. It can be associated with I'm releasing all those toxins and here I am. Yes. And Chef, I want everyone to know about your website, Chef Rush, R-U-S-H.com. On social media, you're at Real Chef, Chef Rush on Instagram. I did a post yesterday to <laughs> let people know about this interview and about your book. And I'm curious. Okay, also, is there a G.I. Joe uh, character of you, Chef? A G.I. Uh, Joe? That, that's Roadblock. I, ro I'm, okay. I'm a lot of you. I am... Um, um, I'm a few different characters, actually. From <laughs> <laughs> Roblox to uh, Ollie, whatever it is, and to um, the 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 other chef on one of the um, something Island, Drama Island, Island Drama or something. So I do a few different things. People kind of base them off of me. I love your sense of humor too. Has that been Ooh. healing for you and a coping oh, strategy? No, no, no. I, I love the laugh. I love the laugh. Yeah. And, and the truth about, like I said to you earlier before we got on about mental health and wellness is kind of like with suicide awareness, like, you know, PTSD. It's a stigma. And a lot of people, one of my first campaigns was sexual trafficking. Right. And it was a huge stigma. That was the first time in my life that um, I was young and I was like, yeah. I just want to help and help and help. But that was the first time and I'll be very sincere with you and honest with you. That was the first time I hated, like mm. hated. In, that was and a strong word. Yeah, what made you hate like that? What made me hate was when I saw what was happening to those mm -hmm. kids. You know, one month old, six months old, these men or these women or these predators, what was happening and the things that were happening made me hate, right? Yeah. I'm a strong word because I'm say never hate, never hate. And it just popped in and I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't yeah. shake it. I mean, I got chills, I got angry, I cried. I was, I was all these different things. And, um, and it was, um, it was hard. It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what we can do is because trafficking is, is something just to end it. It's, it's heartbreaking the children. And, and I know you're just about being about the solution as much as we can. Exactly. Relevancy. And like you said, being aware and acute about your surroundings and whatnot is one of those other pandemics that is still uh, a huge. I don't know how many billions it is right now, but uh, especially now at the pandemic, uh, it is happening much, much more. You know, that's one of my things that I also really been and I try to warn uh, kids on younger, young ladies, especially, um, especially with guys, whatever. And, I, you know, I just some. Females I met uh, a few weeks ago at the thing who um, 
were young who was talking to me and I was just telling them, hey, you're your own person. You don't need a man. You don't need this. Right. You need to make your own statements, whatnot. Because you need to be very careful. You guys are trying to be relevant when a lot of people out here are irrelevant, you know, but yeah. want to act relevant on that part of it. So it's a lot behind it. Yeah, I appreciate, Chef, the way you represent mental health and, and well-being really uniquely and the audience you reach in your way, you know, through just being the model and your life story reflecting yeah. that. And like I say, you got you have to, you have to laugh, you have to smile sometimes, and I love to have fun. You know, I, I do a lot of things with a lot of influencers on social media, yeah. and some things are just stupid and unorthodox. But it's all about laughter, and yeah. laughter will make you smile, no matter it who will. you are. If you do something funny, people are gonna smile. You know, <laughs> so yes, those caveats about it, especially if they know your true intention behind and who you are. So I, I do love, and even when talking about this, I have to keep it lighthearted in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. Chef, I want to thank you for your time that you took out for us to talk about about your life story, your memoir. Call me Chef David. I love you, and I hope one day to meet you. Thank you. You're amazing. I love everything thank you, about. Thank you, Chef. You're welcome. <laughs> Have a safe journey and travels coming up. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. That concludes our time today with Chef Andre Rush. Find his book everywhere that books are sold, as well as his website, chefrush.com. I would appreciate if you took your time to go rate and review All Things Therapy podcast, where you're listening from right now. It helps so much to get the show in front of a larger audience. And it's really important to raise awareness about suicide, its prevention. I personally have had three of my beloved clients take their own life. And it was just heartbreaking to go through. And, you know, I don't want to see anyone else die because they feel sad, alone, unimportant. You are so important, even if you don't feel it. And reach out if you need help to know that. A trusted loved one, reach out to me, Lisa at nolatherapy.com. And just all my love today. And I'll be with you next week. And that's a wrap. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review All Things Therapy on the platform you're listening from. And let's connect on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at NOLA Therapy, the abbreviation for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy, reflecting my two favorite cities. And let's keep changing consciousness one conversation at a time.